0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. It's time to step inside the Ike-tagon with your host, Ike Feldman.
0: What is up, fight fans? What is up, fight community, combat sports community, boxing, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, BJJ, whatever the hell you're into that involves causing bodily harm to a person in front of you, male or female. What is up, y'all? It is your boy, Ike freaking Feldman. Yes, on my birth certificate, it says freaking as a middle name. Tonight, a Twitter live. I do not often do these, but when it comes to a very special guest... Couple weeks ago, I had on TJ Ragusa. TJ was in the midst of traveling for some reason. He took the the StreamYard call while he was on the New Jersey Transit system. The guest tonight, or the guest co-host tonight, is not on a train. He actually has a Adam Schefter-like background. That is an NFL reference for all you fight fans. Adam Schefter has a ton of Twitter followers. Go look him up. But that's neither here nor there. He is the Ariel Hawani, basically, of the NFL. But tonight, we have the, hmm, maybe the Mark Schlereth, if Tom maybe played some NFL football. I'm, I'm trying to, maybe a Ken Carmen of 92.3, the fan in Cleveland. But tonight's guest host is Tom from TFC IV. Tom. What is up, dude? I came across you because of your wonderful interviews and, of course, because of your wonderful interview with local legend. And now, I don't know, just a uh, – he's in the – woving into the the threads of uh, fight lore who none other than Ray Longo. Fantastic interview, guys. If you don't know – about Tom from TFCIV MMA. Check out every single interview. The dude is passionate about MMA. He's not faking it. He's not putting his foot in the door to try to cover baseball, basketball, whatever, golf. This guy lives and bleeds MMA and specifically UFC and does a wonderful job. Well-researched in his interviews. Tom, I'm appreciative of your time. Thank you for joining the stream, brother.
1: Well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for the kind intro and yeah, man, I, I've been a long-time MMA fan, so it's really kind of a passion for me. I, I love breaking it down, love talking to fighters, coaches, and yeah, man, it, it's my thing. Before we get into everything
0: UFC 288, the the nitty-gritty, how'd you get into MMA? Was it the the Forrest Griffin-Stefan Bonner fight for me, the Diego Sanchez, and then the, the Bisbing-Diaz seasons? Uh, how was
1: it for you? So I actually got in MMA as a really young kid to the point where like my parents were like, you should not be watching this. (laughs) But I was a a WWE fan as a real young kid. So when Brock Lesnar kind of made the switch over, that's when I started watching. So like that was my first card watched was Lesnar versus Mir. And then it kind of just became an obsession for me where I've always been a big sports fan. But this, even since I've been a young kid, has always been kind of top of the notch for me. I got into it then and kind of just became obsessed.
0: Now, did you figure out how to do the stream on your own uh, back in uh, July 2009 with UFC 100? Or were your parents a- on board uh, and got you the pay-per-view as like an early Christmas gift?
1: Luckily, I got six older brothers. So although the parents may not have been on board, I got six older brothers. We're all sports guys, so... They were pretty cool with it. So I always had them hooking me up, even as a younger kid. Oh, my
0: God. Six older brothers. Man, uh, how is that? You guys are like an offensive line uh, and the quarterback there.
1: Yes, sir. We were always a basketball family. I mean, I'm originally from southern New Hampshire, about 45 minutes north of Boston. And my dad grew up in Boston. So, I mean, we were always a basketball family growing up. So we had the full starting lineup and two on the bench with me and my sister. (laughs) So, yeah, always a sports family. But, yeah, it was good. A lot a lot of competing growing up. A couple of my siblings are quite a bit older than me, but even then, always some sort of sporting going on at the house, that's for sure.
0: And uh, this will be uh, one of the last few questions at uh, the Rob for the just knowing more about you. But, obviously, the Patriots, the Celtics, Red Sox, uh, throwing the Bruins, I don't know as much in the hockey side of things. Uh, but, man, your team's the last – two-plus decades have been on freaking fire, and I'm sure now you've uh, gravitated to the, the Vols or the Predators or, Ovin, say, Peru. I can't, I'm trying to think, anything Tennessee. Um, but, man, like, how is that just – you guys, like, just love to wake up in the morning because it, as a Jets fan, as a Mets fan, as a Knicks fan, and an Islanders fan, that, that was a big factor in me finding MMA. I'm like, oh you could root for a champion and a winner every three months. I go, Oh, this is awesome. Well, uh, how was uh, sports outside of MMA for you?
1: Well, well, I always say I got born into the golden generation. I, I mean, I, when I, I've known nothing but championships <laughs> kind of the whole time, because when I was real young, it was the Patriots and the Red Sox. And then the Celtics won in 08. And then even now in the 2010s, the Patriots had their second wave of the dynasty. The Red Sox got two world series. We had our Bruins uh, win the Stanley Cup back in 2010. So, I, I mean, yeah, it's been it's been great growing up in, in that Boston sports community. It's kind of caught up to us as of late. I mean, things haven't been too hot, but ho- hopefully the Celtics can bring it home this year. Well, I, I love Jason Tatum.
0: That's what a real superstar to do. Like, just the way he handles his business, his mannerism, like – uh whoever was in charge of drafting him whether Brad Stevens or uh, or was it Danny Ainge in, in control back then when he Yeah,
1: uh, I think Ainge was the GM at that point man, still. Man,
0: what a pick. People were like questioning like his like his, his skill set and it's just oh, just such a Celtics player just a hit after hit. Oh, I'm jealous. Uh, the Knicks got something going but man, what a hell of a pick. Uh my last thing with your uh background uh, sports fandom. Were you salty when Tom Brady won for the Tampa Bay bucks
1: a little bit. Uh, And I was only salty because I knew people then were just going to say, Oh, well it was never the Patriots. It was just Brady, but they don't look into the fact that he went to a super team in Southern Florida. So, I mean, I was very happy to see Tom win. No real salt. As soon as the Patriots got eliminated, it was him. I was rooting for, for sure, just because all the memories you gave us, but I, I can't lie, there was a little bit of salt there, that's for sure. And
0: and uh, people don't uh, look at uh, Bill Belichick for maybe taken Brady's confidence and maybe his his studying or his prep work to another level. I I haven't seen the the man in the arena documentary, but I, I saw a clip where they're in a film room. I'm like, yeah, man, like Belichick should be getting a lot more credit. I know it's six to seven in terms of championships, but people should pay respects to coaches and to wrap it up full circle, Ray Longo, man, this guy is taking down goat after goat and Are we going to see him take down another goat? Is Al Jermaine Sterling going to get it done in, what, about 50 hours from now? What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I
1: mean, when I was interviewing Ray, I kind of mentioned that to him. I said, you've been somewhat of a goat killer in the past. I mean, Sarah took out St. Pierre. You you had Weidman take out Silva. And Henry's one of these guys. Everyone kind of calls him the combat sports goat because (laughs) he doesn't have quite the MMA resume as a guy like John Jones or George St. Pierre. But that Olympic gold medal really does weigh heavy in overall combat sports and I, I really do think Aljo has a big chance i mean the, i the layoff doesn't scare me too much because with those high level guys we saw it with gsp we saw it with john jones there's not going to be too much ring rust when they come back they're going to be pretty prepared but i do think one thing that i've been real heavy on in relaying this whole week is i think the size is going to play a huge factor is because al is a massive 35 pounder i've met al i've met henry Aljamain is much much bigger I think that's a big factor and then I also think Henry is kind of overlooking Aljamain in effect and I think the thing that Henry does best with the wrestling there's a big difference between Olympic wrestling and MMA wrestling so I do think Henry could get a little bit too confident and kind of play perfectly in the Aljamain's game plan Aljamain kind of wants to get to the ground and that wrestling style does have the tendency when you're down you give up your back to get up and against Aljamain Sterling that's that's pretty dangerous. Who shoots the first takedown? I think Henry's going to shoot the first tank down. I think in the first round, we're going to see Aljo like we did in the second Yon fight, where he's going to kind of just keep it on the outside, going to be very kick heavy with leg kicks, body kicks, kind of feel out the range, kind of how we saw him against Pedro Munoz, where he's much bigger. So he's going to try and keep the distance. And I think Henry will kind of shoot for one, near the end of the round. And I don't know if he'll get it. He may get it near the end, but I don't know. I think Aljo may kind of feel him out and then bring the takedowns in in rounds two or three, personally. Yeah, man. Use the use the the, the long striking
0: uh, uh, abilities that you have, whether it's the jab, whether it's the teep kick, the calf kicks. Just keep Henry at bay. Make him want to do that first shot, as you said, to maybe because he believe he just can't get in range. I don't know what to expect, man. It's almost three years to the date, and, and then I, I just did a pod earlier where they were just uh, breaking down Henry's resume. Yeah, he was Dominic Cruz? Uh, how much? Uh, you know, where was he in, on the last leg or back nine of, of his career? Uh, it, it, T.J. Dillashaw was uh, pilled up at that point. Uh, before that, uh, who? Uh, Demetrius Johnson, I, I believe, it was before that, and that fight was a corn flip. Uh, he he beat uh, Joseph Benavides uh, in a rematch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you could pick apart both resumes. It, it's undeniable uh, the greatest win between both of them. I'd say is Aljamain Stones between Corey Sanhagen. That was just a, a hot knife through butter, man. That just was domination. People cannot overlook the Sarah Jiu Jitsu. Uh, he he was the human backpack on Peter Yan. And yeah, man, it, when you see, did you see the video? I think it's on embedded. I also saw the uh, version that uh, Al Jermaine posted where he's got the jacket and they meet like it looks like at a luncheon or a, like a meeting, a fighter's meeting. And he's like, I hope you're ready. He goes, yeah, I'm ready. I hope you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. And he looks towering over a Henry, man. And uh, yeah, I, I think size is a is a big factor. Uh Al Jermaine Sterling is kind of the John Jones or Kamaru Usman in terms of just like Scientific and how he gets down to that 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 weight limit on fight day. It's like it, he believes that he wins the fight if he makes makes the weight. He, he's a mini Terry Crews, in my opinion. Man, is this fight going the distance? Does Henry have it in him to make it go the distance? Is Aljamain Sterling going to get cocky like he did against Peter Yan and kind of placate to the crowd, smile? It's like, dude, in my opinion, finish Peter Yan if it's so easy and you're having fun. Get him out of there. I don't know, man. Sometimes with the greatest emotions, you just have this, just this dance circle, and nothing happens, and then it's a it's a close fight. But when you got the real rivalry, real emotion, like the Pajera Adesanya, fireworks can happen. How, how do you see this fight playing out?
1: Yeah, so it's really such a coin flip with whether this one goes to decision or not. I'm I'm really so torn because I, what makes this fight so great and just high level MMA is. I would not be surprised at all if Aljamain subs him. I wouldn't be surprised if Henry TKOs him. I mean, I'm rooting Aljamain, but I mean, and I'm picking Aljamain, but this fight is so close, and I can honestly see it going eight different ways. I mean, it's such a coin flip. I I could see either guy getting the finish, and I could also see either guy kind of getting the decision. But I'm somewhat leaning Aljamain by decision, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if either guy got the finish. Both guys have great ground and pound. Henry Cejudo does great when he has his opponent kind of shelled and he's on the back, landing ground and pound. Aljo is obviously the best when he gets you flattened out like he did TJ Dillashaw. So, yeah, there's eight different ways this fight could go, but I'm really so torn whether this one goes the distance or gets finished.
0: Again, we're being joined by Tom from I V MMA. You guys can see it on the screen if you're listening to the podcast. Jump on the the, the Twitter machine. It is changing every week, the Twitter machine. Now I have to click on the, the profiles to see, oh, this is the real sauce Gardner, another football reference. I'm sorry, you guys. My team is back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But anyway, Tom from I V MMA. We are previewing UFC 288. I really appreciate your time, brother. And again, your interviews are lovely. I was—I get very picky and nitpicky when it comes to my local guys. Uh, these outsiders interviewing them. You did a fantastic, fabulous job with Ray Longo, and I look forward to listening to all the other interviews that you've done for the lead up for UFC 288. Check that out on your Twitter at T Clark IV. Did I nail that? Yes, sir. All right, there it is. Now, put your Keanu Reeves, Bill and Ted cap or wig on for a minute, for a second. I saw this tweet. Uh, it was because Cron Gracie said it. He said, uh, make the fights 15 straight minutes, similar to Pride. Obviously, there was a break in Pride, but they did a 10-minute round. Make the championship fights 25 straight minutes. That, to him, is More of a real fight. And I agree with that. In your opinion, if Henry and Aljo had zero breaks from the first second to the 25th minute, who wins, man? Is is Henry going to have that dog that he's – and what I love about it, nobody's going to do that takedown to steal the round. Yeah, sure. Maybe you could do it in the twenty-fourth minute with uh, and ten seconds left, and you could do it then. But nobody's shooting that takedown to steal around at the seven-minute mark, and you have about eighteen minutes left in the fight. Nobody's doing that. In your opinion, who's got the bigger dog, and who would win that hypothetical twenty-five-minute open-round
1: fight? So, if it's open round twenty-five minutes, I gotta go with Aljamain only because. I do think at some point in this fight, he is going to get the back. I think he's going to get the body triangle. He's going to have Henry's back. And if there's no round to stop that, it, it's very challenging to get out of a body triangle from anybody, let alone Aljamain Sterling, who has some of the best MMA jiu out there. So if it's twenty five minutes, no breaks, I gotta go Al Jermaine because so, I think at sorry some point to cut off. you're saying get that like
0: back. basically it's playing the chessboard till the game's over. You're saying that once he gets that that king in the corner, the gets on the back and the body triangle, it's basically like a ninety percent. I don't know if you guys have played the UFC EA game. Like his red is way bigger than uh, uh Henry's blue. Like it, it's, it's I love the way you played that out. Uh, that beautiful, beautiful.
1: Continue, continue. Sorry for cutting you off. Oh, yeah, you're all good. But, yeah, that's just how I would see it going because I, I think when it got – there are certain people where when I think they they get you in chokes or they get you in positions, you're not getting out. And with jiu-jitsu, there are three guys that come to mind. Aljamain Sterling, Brian Ortega, Charles Oliveira. Wow. Those are pretty much the three best MMA jiu-jitsu practitioners out there. And those are guys where – I mean, Brian Ortega, the only guy we've ever even seen escape that choke was Volkanovsky, and it didn't even look humanely possible. So I just think if it's 25 minutes, no restrictions, Al Joe probably gets that body triangle at some point and either gets the TKO or or the submission or or just grinds out all 25 minutes and stays on the back. I love it. I love it. Very smart, man.
0: So it's, yeah, who could get to the back? I believe, uh, uh, I think it was Gordon Ryan on with Rogan. He said he'd rather get to the back than be in mount. So it's like, yeah, if you're playing the chessboard, the human chess, as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners say, getting to the back is, is money in the bank. Yeah. Uh, it it would just be a matter of the time. I think if he... If hand fighting for 15 minutes would be just insane to watch. I would love to see it at least explored maybe in a Dana White contender series for him. But anyway, moving down on the card, bala Muhammad, Gilbert Burns, Man, this is uh two fan-favorite fighters, uh, maybe for different reasons. Uh, Bilal's more in the media. He, he's more funny. He's got the Thug Life glasses going. It, really good dude. He's uh, uh, always part of uh, good chemistry. The Paul Felder jokes on, on Twitter. Uh, look at Gilbert Burns, in my opinion. The Brazilian Michael Bisping. Very humble. Very humble. And it might be 38, 39 years old when he finally gets that title. Man, uh... Give me your uh, first impressions of this fight. It is on short notice. Uh, I think people are overlooking the UFC 287 fight that Gilbert Burns just had. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? You, you got the the wrestling and the big heart of Bilal. You also got a big heart, but jujitsu and a huge overhand right from Gilbert. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, of the co-main event?
1: Yeah, so this is a highest level MMA without a doubt. I mean both these guys are coming in on short notice and both guys kind of have some hardships going into it. But Gilbert's coming off a fight. So he's having to cut weight for the second time in a month. Whereas Bilal's been on Ramadan and that's going to be very tough for the body coming off of that, going back to training full time and then having to cut weight. I was watching the press conference today. Bilal looked pretty sucked in to be honest with you. So it's going to be a good fight. I mean, I was doing my pre-show yesterday and I'm so torn on this fight because I could really see it going either way. I mean, the odds makers are finally giving Bilal some respect on this one. Bilal's been an underdog against Sean Brady, been an underdog against Wonder Boy, been an underdog against Vicente Luque. I was hoping they'd make him a bigger underdog here because I always like betting Bilal because uh, you could get him at underdog odds when he really shouldn't have been the underdog. But these are pick em odds. I think Gilbert's a minus 115, Bilal's plus 105, so they're very close. I do think the five rounds does favor Bilal in his style. I think we saw in the hamzat Shemaya fight, Gilbert Burns gasped. Both guys were gassed, but it seemed Gilbert had gassed more than Hamzat. And I, I, was that probably due to Hamzat knocking him down and Hamzat's pressure? Yes, but I do think Bilal does have great forward pressure. He gets you up against the fence. He clinches with you there. And his striking has improved greatly. I mean, he was able to hang on the feet with Vicente Luque which is very, very impressive. Yep. Vicente's a killer. So I think Bilal's being underestimated. Pretty, a lot of people I'm seeing are all picking Burns by however he wants, but it seems like we do this every Bilal-Muhammad fight. We say, oh, he's overmatched. Wonder Boy's going to outstrike him. Vicente's going to knock him out. Oh, Sean Brady's a great grappler, too. How's Bilal going to beat him? And he just finds a way. So, I mean, I'm actually leaning Bilal on this one just because how complete he is. And I think the five rounds does make a huge difference where he can kind of feel Gilbert in the first two, maybe tire him out a bit, and then kind of take control as the fight goes on.
0: Sold to the man wearing jeans covered in paint and the kind of smelly T-shirt. Sold. You sold me, man. I I, <laughs> I love it. 100%. Uh, it was kind of a coin flip. I was kind of selling myself on Gilbert, man. Maybe this is his time, but... Let's go. Let's get the Bilal-Leon Edwards uh, rematch that uh, should have happened uh, immediately. This is now just an even bigger storyline. Um, yeah, man. Uh, what people are, are underestimating the, with the uh, Ramadan is that he put the whooping and the out-sprinted uh, Vincent Luque uh, w- when they fought, especially in a rematch that he could have had nightmares uh, facing uh, Luque. So yeah, man. I, I think cutting a weight again in just a short amount of time, less than a month. Yeah, it was April eighth, UFC two eighty seven. So less than a month it, It's got to be tough. Just you can imagine the the pressure that he was feeling in that fight. Just the the adrenal glands going off, fighting in Florida, fighting a uh, uh, Jorge Masvidal. His last fight, every questions about Masvidal, 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 and then he he was challenging the UFC for a title fight he doesn't get it he he could kind of be exacerbated in, in a sense and just exhausted for chasing the carrot he'll get it eventually I I feel that but man I think it's Bilal's time we will remember the name and we will also get that rematch uh Leon Edwards versus uh Bilal Muhammad 2 it's it's gonna be epic lead up in that. Is Colby Covington versus uh, Gilbert Burns the fight to make after that? Or, or do we do uh, Usman Covington three?
1: Yeah, so it's tough because the UFC just seem. I- – I'm at the point now where I almost believe Colby Covington has some dirt on Dana White because there's <laughs> no real reason why Colby should be getting a title shot. But Dana keeps insisting he is getting one. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see because it seems like Dana, Dana doubled down at the press conference that – Even whoever wins this is going to be waiting until after Colby versus Leon. But I do favor Leon in that fight. So I I don't know what you do with Colby after that. Possibly you do do the Usman Trilogy. Maybe you do shavkat Rachmanov. I mean, there are plenty of interesting fights to do with Colby. But, yeah, I I honestly don't really know, to be honest with you. But there are definitely some matchups. The big thing with Colby, too, is he gets very selective. I mean, the guy rarely—the last time he fought someone coming off a win was— Five years ago, RDA. So, Colby likes to be very selective. It'll be interesting to see if he does lose to Leon. Like to, when he kind of realizes to get another one, you're gonna have to fight contenders. Does he do it, or maybe he goes for that Dustin Poirier fight? So, there are plenty of options for him, but it'll be interesting to see for sure. There will always be options for Colby, no
0: doubt. Um, and a, a fun fact about Colby: he uh, a lot of people just they keep saying the shtick or the character. I think he just he directs it towards his opponent it, it it's fun for him it's kind of like a like his 14 year old self coming out with the 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 blazers and no undershirt with the ladies the the glasses the jacuzzis like I think he's living many 15 14 year old young adolescent boys dream. And uh, respect to him. I don't know what the hell he has on Dana, but, yeah, it, it's insane that this man could just fight every time we get, a, a I don't know, an eclipse and Colby gets a fight. Um, what does come around more often is Tom from TFC IV, MMA's interviews. Check out his interviews on his Twitter. He's always posting T Clark IV on Twitter. Do you have an Instagram, Tom? Yeah, I do. It's uh, T underscore Clark IV. I will have to follow you, but uh, right now I will have to lead us back into the UFC 288 preview. Outside, I I can almost guess this. I can almost guess this. This could be the third fight uh, away from the main event. This could be the third fight on the main card, uh, in my opinion. But I'll I'll let you say it, not me. Uh, What is your favorite fight outside of the top
1: two fights on the UFC 288 billing? I mean, I think there's only one answer for this one. It it has to be Drew Dover versus Matt Frivola. And I mean, <laughs> this, this fight is just guaranteed action. I mean, if there was a bet for what would be fight of the night, this one would probably be minus 500 odds because <laughs> it's just, it's guaranteed. Drew Dover's on a three-fight knockout street. Mat- Matty's had two straight first-round knockouts. So, I mean, this one's going to be good, and it's just going to be interesting to see how the fight plays out, but... It's guaranteed action. That's for sure. Somebody's getting dropped. It has to be. Yeah, I I agree. If there's a takedown
0: attempt, it's going to be one of those like Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira ones where they're just like uh, kind of like internal position and they're just trying to survive. Right. I I don't see anybody like doing a full on takedown.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if Matt wrestles a little bit here. Oh, do you know something? Do you know something? I've interviewed him and Longo. And both guys have hinted that this will be a more complete MMA. Fight. Come on, but stop! But there are certain guys who Matt said that before the last fight, and he didn't need to use the wrestling because he knocked Ademir Zaitar out cold. That is so, true. He did say that. Th- this could be one where, like, the, it's the Michael Chandler effect. Th- these guys say, "Yeah, we're going to have the full, complete MMA fight." But then, when the lights start shining, when the crowd starts roaring, when you guys both catch each other with a heavy shot, you start swinging. So, yeah, I think it will end up being a barn burner, but I also wouldn't be super surprised if it's a complete MMA fight. I'll be very surprised. Uh,
0: the funniest thing UFC 270, Hanaro uh, Valdez, uh, Matt Frivola fought him, and then he got on the mic with Rogan. Rogan's I think he said something along the lines of, You're a complete martial artist, but it is in your nature to brawl. Like, it was like something like that. And I was like, I was almost offended for Matty. Like uh, Matt, are are you? Did that piss you off that like Joe Rogan in his studying and his reviewing of you is that he just sees you as a brawler? But then I'm like, man, it, Matt just humble guy, cool guy, one of the best followers on Twitter. But it's just bite down on that mouthpiece, and uh, I'm gonna rip your neck out. Like he he is a pitbull in there, and it's like I appreciate it. All gas, no breaks. To uh, quote his social media, man that. Has to be, has to be an incredible fight. I am intrigued though by Kron Gracie's return. I'm fascinated by this individual. He hangs out with uh, a dude who starred in one of my favorite childhood movies in Scary Movie Three, uh, Thug Nasty or something uh, like the comedian. Like he he skateboards. Uh, he hangs out with the Diaz brothers. Like anybody who hangs out with the Diaz brothers again go to Tom's. Uh, Twitter, at T IV. He did an interview with Jake Shields. Anybody who hangs out with the Diaz brother, I'm fascinated with. He takes off, what, what was it, October 2019, the Waterson joanna undercard. He takes off that much time, three-plus years, lives in the mountain in Montana, says, I'm coming, I'm coming, a whole bunch of times like Yuri Prohaska, and he's back and he looks like he just crawled out of a cave. I I love it, and apparently he was a dick to reporters. I I have to do my own research, but that is the the NDA style, not to give the media exactly what they want, not to play the media's game, and I respect it. The great whites of all great whites is to do a sit-down interview, oh my God, with Nate or Nick Diaz, and just try to win them over because they are guarded up. But when it comes to fighting, they are just savants. They are supremely intelligent. They are well-rounded, well-skilled. And as you saw, Kron against Alex Cassattis, uh early 2019, cut through him beautifully. But then he didn't want to take the ground to a grappling or, or to the mats against Cub Swanson, which I was furious screaming. But then when I look back, it's almost like he wanted to do that Khabib to the end nth degree in terms of Khabib when he wrestles you the first two rounds then he'll come out in the third and the fourth round and test his boxing and get more comfortable with his boxing Kron wanted to get more comfortable with his boxing by just boxing Cub Swanson it, I, I loved it in the end he won me over more, I was pissed that he lost his first fight but it, it won me over more what the hell can we expect against uh, from Kron Gracie against just a Canadian wild man, which is two words that Literally, don't go in the same sentence, uh, a Canadian wildman and Charles Jordan. Uh, what what, what are your thoughts on that fight?
1: So it's going to be really good. I mean, uh, some people are saying he's been a dick. Cron has certainly been on edge this week. I mean, he was very short in the Media Day interviews. Like a Marshawn Lynch,
0: another football reference?
1: Exactly. Okay, yeah, I'm okay. here so I don't get fined. I mean, he, he was only a couple words every question in embedded today it shows them signing posters henry kind of cracks a joke at him cron puts the marker down and says let me know when when he's done and then I'll come back so Kron's really been on edge i mean he, that was in embedded today oh and then God. in the press conference i like conference, to binge everything like the uh, tomorrow night but <laughs> and then in the press conference he's up there scowling the whole time so oh i my mean God. It, it, he's been very on edge this week and him and charles jordan have had some back and forth so it's it's going to be interesting to see Kron mentioned because Charles said this is going to be a grappler versus a striker, and Kron said keep thinking that way. So maybe we see that Kron that boxed against Cub Swanson come out, or maybe he's trying to put that backwards psychology into Charles's head, where Charles is going to say, "Oh, maybe we're going to stand up," and then Kron's going to go out there and try and take him down. How, how so does Vegas it's to, see this? Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting fight. I mean, I do. I it kind of surprised me that Kron's the underdog. I mean, when you have a guy like Jourdain who's pure entertainment but is shown to be a striker who doesn't have the best takedown defense going against an expert grappler, Crone has one of the slickest guillotines you'll see, and just overall MMA jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. So it kind of surprises me he's the underdog here. I do think he takes this fight, but it's going to be pretty entertaining. It's unbelievable, man, that that NDA uh,
0: entourage uh, they just they say less and they get more attention it's insane man how it's it's genius it's 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 amazing um to end on a betting note again we're being joined by Tom from TFCIV MMA on Twitter at tclarkiv for all his lovely interviews follow this man this guy is fantastic i'm glad to catch him now uh and well before he's in the back of a limousine, uh, with a jacuzzi, hanging out with Kobe Covington and he just splashes all mud puddles on all of us. Uh, Ray, Maddie, me, and we're like, damn, what happened, what happened to that guy, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it, man. You are, you are great in this space. It's fantastic. Um, I will continue to, I will subscribe cause I know subscribers on YouTube are, are very valuable. Um, what is a, a sleeper pick, a great-looking underdog, maybe a prop bet that uh, some handicappers or, or bettors uh, can put their
1: money towards? So when it comes to prop bets, I'm not going to give one singular bet. I'm going to give a parlay that I've seen, and this one actually really intrigues me. It's a three-leg parlay, but it's, it ends up paying out pretty decent. The first leg is going to be Braxton Smith versus Parker Porter, under two and a half. I interviewed Braxton Smith. This guy is a knockout artist. He has five fights within the last year, all first-round knockouts, which leads me to believe he's either going to put Parker Porter out or he may gas, and, and and then we're going to have to see Parker Porter put him out. Definitely so that's don't want to see be the that first fight leg. for
0: 15 straight minutes.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any chance that fight goes over five minutes. So that's going to be our first leg. The second leg is going to be the Claudio Ribeiro fight. Uh, it's Claudio Ribeiro. He's going up against Joseph Holmes. We're going under two and a half in that fight as well. Claudio Ribeiro. He went up against Abdul Al-Razak Al-Hassan his last time out, and he landed some great shots. But Al-Hassan's a killer be killed guy, and Ribeiro ended up getting killed. But I do think all the power in his hands. I-, I do think he gets it done probably early. So we're going under two and a half in that fight as well. And then the third leg is going to be Chaos Williams. I think this is kind of a step down in competition from him. He fought Randy Brown. He's fought these other guys. Now he's going up against Rolando Bedoya, who's making his UFC debut. I think Chaos is about a minus 300, minus 325. That's going to be our third leg. Just money line on Chaos Williams. I think that ends up being a plus 125 or so. And that's kind of my sleeper pick for the night.
0: And if you're going to put on Twitter, I'm sorry if I missed it, if you have already.
1: Yeah, I'm going to put that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be my parlay, and I'll put that on there. Excellent,
0: excellent, excellent. I will retweet it. If I see it, uh, I will, I'm will. i lucky enough to be in the chaos uh, on Saturday, but I will look for your tweets. Uh, Tom from TFCIV MMA, I really appreciate the time, man. Um, yeah, and uh, thank you for uh, rolling with the punches. You are a talented individual. I really appreciate you, and, uh, again, just – I don't know, tip the valet when you got the Lamborghini, man. That's that's all I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on, man. I love, I love MMA. I love talking MMA. I always say two things I love, MMA and talking. So if I can talk MMA, I'm getting the best of both worlds. All so right, brother. Uh, be ready. Thank I'll, you so much for having me on, my man. I'll be
0: knocking very soon, then.
1: Sounds good. Have a good one, man. Take care, brother. Thank you.
0: Bye. There you guys heard... Tom from TFCIV MMA. Follow him on Twitter, at TClarkIV. Wonderful interviews. Seriously, if if I had to freaking grade the interviews, it is top-notch. I, I want to know more about Tom's background, not just his sports fandom, but his communications background. Maybe just him and his brothers were doing a round-the-horn at the table every night. I don't know. It, it was... Uh, an excellent, excellent time chatting with Tom. Guys, UFC 288 is this freaking Saturday. I am pumped. I'm lucky enough to be in the building. I'll be posting stuff on Instagram, the at IkeDagon Instagram. Of course, on Twitter, at Ike Feldman. Very exciting. Local guys, the local guys are fighting. Matt Steamroller Fravola. Algermain funkmaster Sterling. Oh my gosh. I've been uh chatting with Algermain's film guy behind the scenes. And uh man, he, he's giddy, he's excited, and of course he is just overworked. It is fight week and he's just pumping out the content. Shoutouts to Jake from State Farm. No, uh Jake Fine. Uh Cool dude, excellent dude, young, hungry, passionate, and doing a fantastic job. Really talented, has a really great eye for capturing uh, everything that Al Jermaine Sterling's doing. He also did a documentary, which is coming out for uh, an MMA Avenger in John Beneducci. Jake does great work, and uh, very excited to see him and crew, Ray Al, Al, Joe, Marab. It's gonna be it's gonna be a party in Prudential Center. Uh, I will probably be back home in my bed by like five a.m. Uh, five coffees later, but your boy is excited. Your boy is excited, guys. Just truly, truly blessed and excited. I know everybody throws around the two most popular words. Over the last three years have been anxiety and blessed. And people throw it around. That's why I substitute the word blessed for lucky. Alright, I feel lucky. And what should I substitute if I'm anxious? Effing excited? I don't know. I'm effing excited for Saturday, boys and girls and fight fans. Again, follow me everywhere at iktagon. Get involved in the show. 646-820-9848. Tom is still in the background. Uh, He has not figured out how to get out of uh, StreamYard. Tom, you will be stuck in StreamYard forever.